This is Choni Circle. I'm Tamara Lubicki. I'm Rabbi Paula Rose. And on Choni Circle, we are going to explore Jewish texts from the Torah through the Talmud and lots of traditional commentaries to grapple with climate change, to help us process our emotions about climate change and about this particular moment, um, and to help us try to make sense of the world that we find ourselves in. Today we're going to look at a text from the book of Dvarim, Deuteronomy, and it's a text that talks a little bit about the Shemitah system, but assumes that we know what that means a little bit. So I'll just give a little bit of an introduction, which is that in the seventh year, there are a few different things that happen. But for the purpose of this text, in the seventh year, loans are forgiven. And that is potentially a great equalizer economically, but also potentially a little bit of a challenge, as we'll learn about in this text. So the Torah reads, There shall be no needy among you, since your God Adonai will bless you in the land that your God Adonai is giving you as a hereditary portion. If only you heed your God Adonai and take care to keep all this instruction that I enjoin upon you this day. For your God Adonai will bless you as promised. You will extend loans to many nations, but require none yourself. You will dominate many nations, but they will not dominate you. If, however, there is a needy person among you, one of your kin in any of your settlements in the land that your God Adonai is giving you, do not harden your heart and shut your hand against your needy kin. Rather, you must open your hand and lend whatever is sufficient to meet the need. Beware, lest you harbor the base thought, the seventh year, the year of remission of Shemitah is approaching, so that you are mean and give nothing to your needy kin, who will cry out to Adonai against you and you will incur guilt. Give readily and have no regrets when you do so, for in return, your God Adonai will bless you in all your efforts and in all your undertakings. For there will never cease to be needy ones in your land, which is why I command you, open your hand to the poor and needy kin in your land. So, I think that this text is fascinating for lots of reasons, but just to give a little bit of a summary in case it wasn't clear, we are told to give, in this case alone is the kind of giving that's envisioned, to the poor to ensure that everybody has what they need. To summarize, right, we're instructed here to give to the poor, in this case in the form of a loan. And the thing that is potentially challenging about that is that as the seventh year approaches, right, when we know that loans are going to be forgiven, we might be less likely to want to give that loan, right? We might be tempted to say, okay, well, it's already the sixth year. The chances of me actually getting repaid on this loan are very low because a year from now, the loan is going to be forgiven and I'm going to be out this money. And so the Torah's response to that, right, is to name it and say, you might be less likely to give a loan as the seventh year approaches. Don't do that, (laughs) Um, right? You actually, 
have an obligation to open your hand and lend the money, even if you think you're not going to give it back, right? Even if it's actually going to take more of the form of a gift because the seventh year is approaching. So that's sort of one interesting thing I think that's happening in the text. And this sort of awareness of our temptations and limitations <laughs> and sort of naming that and telling us that you might be tempted not to give and you actually still have an obligation to. But I also think there's a very interesting shift over the course of this text. So it begins with a statement that there actually shouldn't be any needy, right? God is going to bless you with a good land and you're going to have the things that you need. And actually, like, everybody should be sustained and taken care of and nobody should need anything. But then acknowledges if, however, there is a needy person among you, right? Actually, maybe somehow somebody falls into poverty and needs your help, then you have an obligation to help them. And then towards the end of the text, it says actually that there will never cease to be needy ones in your land that actually, right, like, none of this is going to solve poverty, right? And none of it is going to solve economic inequality. And that actually then the response is this command to open your hand to the poor and needy kin in your land, that, that there always will actually be people who are poor. And I think that's just, like, a striking tension between this, like, clearly kind of imagined, blessed reality where God gives all of us everything that we need and everybody has what they need and all of this is irrelevant because there's no needy among us and the acknowledgement that like actually that's not the way that the world works and then even an acknowledgement that like maybe the world will never actually work that way right like maybe we're intended to be in this perpetual state of striving towards it and working to try and make sure that everybody has what they need but that that's never actually going to be a given. Right. So it's this paradox, this idea that we should hold both things in our minds, that we should hold this ideal of there being no needy and there everyone being able to access their own land and produce things from their own land, like it talks about the hereditary portion, and also keeping in mind a very honest view of the reality. Yeah. And I think it's really important. I love the way that you framed that because I think it's like really important that we don't mix those two things up. Right. I think it's it's easy or tempting perhaps to sort of like read this in the inverse and not notice needs around us and be like, yeah, like everybody should be able to have what they need. Right. We hear this kind of rhetoric, right? Like if everybody works hard enough, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? That actually there should be no needy, right? People should be able to take care of themselves. If we read that aspiration as the reality, that can be really problematic. And likewise, if we read the reality as the aspiration, right? If we're like, well, there will never cease to be needy ones in your land, so why bother working towards a different future? If we read that as the prophecy and the aspiration, then that doesn't actually push us to work towards anything better. Right. So in terms of thinking about climate change, I think this is very applicable, that we always want to have in our minds this world that we can achieve where we're not increasing the heat of the globe. We're actually like drawing carbon out of the atmosphere. We're 
establishing many more wild places and feeding our population abundantly from like a form of agriculture that's good for the earth. But we also want to have this idea that things are not good right now and we need to really work urgently to counter that. Yeah. And it's hard to balance both of those things at the same time. It's hard to hold both that we like live in a really imperfect reality and not become sort of cynical and jaded and despairing about that of like, well, this is just what it is and this is what it's always going to be. And right, that can get in the way of like imagining and working towards a better future. But also if we're only focused on the imagining and working towards a better future, like we're not actually necessarily solving the problems in the here and now, which also call for our attention. Right. But in a way, we need that hopeful vision, I think, to motivate us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's striking that, like, that's the vision that this text begins with. Before the Torah tells us that you have this obligation to make a loan to somebody who needs it, even if the seventh year is approaching and even if you're worried you're not going to give it back, right, it starts actually with the vision of it is actually possible for there to be no needy and for everybody to have what they need. And, like, perhaps it's motivated by that vision that we're then willing to open our hands and to work to make that a reality. Yeah, this brings to mind a previous episode where we're talking about the daily prayer, Bore Nefashod and Ashrei, where if you see it on the one hand, it's like this beautiful vision of God supplying everything. And that vision really sustains us and makes us feel awe and gratitude and makes us feel connection. But then, It's also good for us to see it as something that we are called to work toward. So this idea of God is going to give everyone their hereditary portion and everyone will be doing great. So that's actually something to work toward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, there's a principle in Jewish theology, but but not only in Jewish theology, of of imitatio Dei, of, of being like God, of the call to follow God's example. And I had never thought about that f- before with this text, but like God is portrayed at the beginning of this text as somebody who is looking out to make sure that everybody has what they need and everybody has their portion of land. And maybe ultimately this text calls upon us to do that too. Right, and God is kind of portrayed as like, almost in the role of government, of like, I am governing this land and dividing it fairly and setting up these systems. So that's interesting in terms of imitation of that. But in terms of imitation of God, what I also noticed is similar to that previous podcast where we talked about Ashrei and this phrase, poteach et yadecha umasbi'a is we actually see that same phrase in this section of opening your hand. So now it's not God opening God's hand to provide to all living creatures. It's you, (laughs) the person being addressed, opening your hand to give money to the needy. Yeah. Or to lend money to the needy, depending on what year of the Shemitah cycle (laughs) it is. And then it also has this image of shutting your hand It says shutting your hand against your needy kin. So there's something very antagonistic about the shutting of your hand. Yeah. As if the natural position of your hand should be a position of openness. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I think that's exactly right. And to even solidify that, sometimes in Hebrew, verbs are doubled for emphasis. And the verse actually says, I mean, like, if you wanted to treat it literally, it would be like, you will open, open your hand to them. But really what it means is, like, you will surely open your hand. It's, like, extra emphatic, reminding us that, like, yeah, that is actually perhaps not the natural state, but the correct state for our hands to be in. And actually, then towards the end of the text, we have that doubling again. Again, it says, So that that is clearly, like, the important thrust of what we're supposed to take from this text. Right. Because of the doubling, it tells us this is the important phrase here. And what I thought is interesting is it talks about loans, and then there's kind of the implication of charity as well. Yeah. Because you might not be getting your loans back, but it recalls the idea of the Rambam, right, and his levels of charity. Yeah, so just to spell out what you're referring to, for our listeners, right, the highest level of tzedakah, of giving, is to set somebody up with a job or a skill so that they can sustain themselves and not be dependent on tzedakah. And there definitely is an element of that here. I think it's worth noting that actually most of the time when the Torah talks about giving to the poor, it's talking about loans. And later that becomes more about giving. But in the Torah, it's usually about a loan, which I think there's something really beautiful about that. And, and we should note it's an interest-free loan. Yeah, right. Just in case someone no. thinks the Torah wants us to benefit off our charity. Right? Um, correct, correct. <laughs> But I do think it's really interesting because I think there is potentially a kind of dignity that comes with a loan, even if it's a loan that ultimately turns into a gift in the seventh year. But the fact that it's done through the framework of, I'm assuming actually that this is going to help you get on your feet and put you in a position where you'll be able to pay this back. I think there's something potentially powerful about that. That I don't know. I wonder what it would look like sort of in the modern Jewish community if we talked about this more. I mean, there is, I'll put in a plug, there is the Hebrew Free Loan Association that still does this. That is a Jewish organization that gives interest-free loans as a way of helping to support people with real dignity. And I think that's really beautiful and important work. And nonetheless, most of the time in the Jewish community, when we talk about giving, it's really envisioned not as something that there's any assumption that it's going to be repaid, unlike this text. Right. The other thing of drawing that connection between God opening God's hand and us opening our hand is at the beginning it said God will bless you in the land and God is giving you a hereditary portion. And I think another reason that's at the beginning of the section is like everything that you have that makes you wealthy and able to give is actually a loan from God. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. This isn't really your thing that you are making a choice of whether you're going to give or loan it to somebody else. It's really like, no, this is actually something that God is sharing with you and you therefore have an obligation to also share it with others who need it. Because, by the way, God intends it to be shared by everybody, right? Like that is the vision is that it's not supposed to be all for you. It's supposed to be equally shared by everyone. And if that's not the reality, then actually it's our job to help make that the reality. The envisioned setup isn't that like, we'll have whatever we need or extra and then like maybe share it or not, right? The envisioned setup is that everybody actually has what they need. And like, if something has happened to make that not the reality, then actually what God wants is 
for everybody to have access to what they need. And our job with the things that we have from God is to help bring that about. Right. And I think also framing it as a hereditary portion brings in this idea of environmental stewardship. Like this is not just for you, it's for you and your descendants. And so you should be keeping those descendants in mind and the way you treat your land should be in a way that continues the blessing. Yeah, I love that. I'm Rabbi Paula Rose, the Associate Rabbi of Congregation Beth Shalom in Seattle. This podcast is a project of Congregation Beth Shalom and Ahavat Ve'avodat Adama, our community's environmental group. Choni's Circle was recorded in Seattle, Washington at Full Track Productions. It was produced by Tamara Labicki and Dave Dintenfass. With original music by Ella Labicki Feldman. Thanks for listening and learning with us.